we were talking about the fact of growing in forgiveness. And boy, that's, that's something that you and I are going to be growing in uh, all of our Christian life. It's, it's hard and very hard to biblically forgive because uh, as you know, and as I know, those folks or those incidents or those things that uh, happen sometimes daily or multiple times throughout the day, uh, the devil is always there to bring them up about, hey, remember this? And he just puts a thought there. Remember this person? How could you forgive something that was so hurtful, that was so disrespectful, that was so uh, angrily said or so angrily done to you? or to your family, or to your child, or to this individual. And, and so forgiveness is something that we need to continue to grow in. I don't believe we've ever arrived at that. And so in looking at a text today, this is kind of why the Lord's led in this direction of growing spiritually in 2021, and not only in love, and not only in forgiveness, but in faith. And I believe in that order, because it takes the love of Christ to be able to consider forgiveness. It takes God's love, that agape love, to be able to consider uh, what great forgiveness the Lord has given to us as His people, then to be able to truly forgive biblically that person, not just say, oh, I forgive you. Because there are a lot of folks who do that as well. Hey, hey, I forgive you. Well, biblically forgiving is then moving on. And it doesn't sometimes mean totally, totally putting out of our minds because only God can truly and totally forgive and forget. But it means not driving as if we're looking into the rearview mirror, as we talked about. You can't walk in the past and move forward into uh, the future with God and what God has planned for us in our lives as believers. So growing in love, growing in forgiveness, and today growing spiritually in faith. Luke chapter 17 is our text this morning. Luke chapter 17, we're going to begin reading in verse 1 and read down to verse 6. Luke chapter 17, verse 1, and beginning uh, here in our text, the Bible says this, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible... But that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you and praise you that we can look to you and to you only, Lord, to give us uh, the understanding that we need today. We pray for that understanding through thy Holy Spirit. We ask that, Lord, you would open our hearts, that you would give us an attentive spirit, Lord, to what you have for us, that we might, uh, Lord, make the changes in our life. 
that need to be made, Lord, that we might make the application and then live out, Lord, these things that we hear today from your word. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice the words of Jesus Christ here. The Bible says in Luke 17, says, then said he, speaking of Jesus unto his disciples. And then the words thereafter are the words of Christ until we get to verse five, which is a response of the apostles uh, of Jesus Christ. And they ask a request in prayer for the Lord to increase their faith. Think about this. Growing spiritually in 2021 requires us as children of God to grow in faith. Growing in faith. And this text is an interesting text because we've just come out of last week of talking about growing in forgiveness. And remember, we said we were marking down the names or uh, the situations of things that we needed to biblically ask God, Lord, help me to forgive this individual. Lord, help me to forgive these individuals. Lord, help me to forgive this family member uh, for the offense that came. Lord, help me. uh, As Peter called out to the Lord, Lord, how many times am I to forgive uh, my brother who offends me? Uh, Seven times seven? And the Lord says, no, 70 times seven. Seven times in a day, Jesus said here uh, in turning again, Jesus looks to this passage and this refers to not just a seven times and that's it. I'm marking you off. But it speaks of an issue here of a relatively large number. When you look at the Greek, more than one would expect from the context. It speaks of not only seven times and then I'm cutting you off. But it speaks of the fact of something larger than just seven times. And that is why I believe the Lord Jesus in the text that we looked at last week and talking to Peter said 70 times seven, Peter. You can't just write folks off. This is more than just a seven times of an offense and then you forgive and then you stop forgiving the individual. Jesus said it is is above, it is a large number above, it is above and beyond even the 70 times seven, Peter, and that's one day. So Peter, if you think that it's just going to be a one off, a two off, a, a three, four, five, six, seven, and you're out in forgiving others, you're wrong. And so notice what Jesus said here to his disciples. He says in verse one, it is impossible, that, but that offenses will come. Mark this down, folks. And I don't want this to be the, the thrust of our our message today because it's about faith, but mark this down, offenses will come. If you and I are going to live for God, we better mark it down. If we're going to live for truth and stand for truth, offenses are going to come. Let me also say this, that if we're believers in Jesus Christ and we are the children of God, we are blood-bought saints and we are walking by faith, that let it not be said of us that offenses are coming from us toward others. It is impossible, but that offenses will come, Jesus says, but woe unto him through whom they come. This text speaks to us very clearly that Jesus said to us, offenses will come, but he gives a strong woe to persecutors who offer any injury to the least of Christ's little ones. Don't let it ever be said of us that we're doing that that we are on 
the antagonistic end of giving offenses to others that we are the one who are dishing out offenses to Jesus' little ones. There are a lot of folks who say they know Christ and they live entirely opposite to Christ. And yes, we can be hypocrites many times, and we are, but we should get right with God. We should not be living like hypocrites. We should be living the truth. And when we cease to live the truth, we should get on our knees and say, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, cleanse me. Oh Lord, help me uh, to, to acknowledge this sin and to hate it as much as you do. I need to be forgiven, Lord, so that I can forgive others in love as well. Jesus said here, this strong woe to persecutors who offer injury to those who belong to Christ in word or deed, by the way. Jesus also, I believe here, is talking about those who are seducers who corrupt the truths of Christ and his ordinances and who so trouble the minds of the disciples, for they are these by whom offenses come. I mean, you think about it, they're going forth and preaching and they're proclaiming the name of Jesus. They're sitting at the feet of Jesus and taking the message of Jesus Christ as Messiah out to the world. And offenses came very quickly. Persecution came very quickly. God was giving them instruction as to how to deal with that. Jesus said to those who under the profession of being a believer in Christ but live scandalously, who are hypocritical, who try to weaken the bonds and to sadden the hearts of God's people. It is no excuse of their guilt whatsoever. God holds them accountable. Nor will be there any lack of punishment that will come to them. You know, God chastens His children if they're truly His. There are a lot of folks, I believe, that are out there that are pretenders. I can't see their heart. But there are a lot of folks, I believe, are pretend Christians. Pretend believers in Jesus Christ. Because some of them follow not the Christ of the Bible, folks. Some of them follow a false Christ. Some of them follow a false Messiah. Some of them follow a false hope. In fact, you can take New Age uh, <clears throat> philosophy, and by the way, it's not new age at all. It, it's been around since the beginning and the fall of Lucifer. It, it's not really new age teaching, by the way. Is that they follow, they are looking, they are following, and they are pursuing a Messiah. But it's not Jesus, the Christ of the Bible. They are following the one who will lead them in a path, but it is not the path of God that they're following. They follow someone or something other than the Jesus of Scripture. And so it is these that Jesus refers to that they stand guilty and there is no excuse and they will stand in punishment. Jesus said here, notice what he says, but woe unto him through whom they come. Verse 2, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Whoa! You think about that. It were better. <laughs> the worst part of it is what the judgment of God is going to be. It were better for them that they take 
and that a millstone were hanged about that individual's neck and then being cast into the sea and drowned, then the judgment of God coming upon them for the offenses that they bring to Christ's true little ones. I like to call him his little flock. Because we are a little flock, by the way, in comparison to the highway of folks that are headed to a Christless eternity in the lake of fire. We are Christ's little flock. And the Bible says here, verse 3, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. That's biblical. Biblical church discipline right there. Jesus is implementing in Luke chapter 17. And you can go over to Matthew and read the same thing that Jesus said that uh, to how to deal with a situation, an offense that a brother or sister has committed against you is you go to them. You say, hey, look, I was offended by this. I try to do that with a lost person and, and they're going to they're gonna get upset with you. They're going to mock you. They may persecute you because of it. Go to a brother, a true brother, they better get right with God if it's a true offense. And say, look, I better consider this. I didn't know how hurtful this was going to be. And a lot of times we don't know how hurtful our words are until after they're already said. And that is true in many cases. We may not think we hurt that person, but we did. We've offended them. And so the biblical procedure for that, the biblical method for that, is to go to that individual. And, and if they repent, the Bible says forgive them. But what about when they don't repent? This is the question. What about people who don't love us back? What about going to someone and saying, hey, look, um, this is a real concern. Is I'm offended by this. People do this at work all the time. And, and God willing, that they know by now with, with Jim Mitchell that when someone comes to show me something on their phone, I turn my head and I walk away. You better tell me that, that this is something that's not perverted, something that is not ungodly, something that, that God doesn't want my eyes to view. Don't show me your phone because I don't want to see something that is going to offend my Lord and going to hurt my walk with Christ. And so whenever people are looking at things on their phone, open, and this is openly, this is everywhere, folks. There, there's no censorship anymore in our world is, is that it's okay for you to look at pornography on your phone at work, but don't you dare say the name of Jesus Christ that somebody needs Him as personal Lord and Savior on your break or before work or after work because that's an offense. But it's okay to look at those things that are ungodly. And so in this, we find that it is very easy for us to love someone who loves us back. But it is very hard, but it is right and biblical to love someone who hates you, to love someone who persecutes you, to love someone and truly biblically forgive them and have faith in God and move on when they hate us because we are Christians. Well, this is what the disciples were struggling with, and it is what you and I struggle with as well in our Christian walk. Notice what is said here in verse 4, and if, the trespass against, if they trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So Jesus said this relatively large number, it's not just the number seven, because Christ then reiterates to Peter, Peter, you're thinking on wrong terms here. I've told you, it is this relatively large number, more than you would expect 
from this word, Peter. But it is 70 times 7, Peter. You're not thinking biblically. It's Peter wanted to say this. Well, Lord, I've forgiven them seven times. Now, I've written them off and I'm done with forgiving this individual because they keep hurting me. They keep saying things that uh, have denied you, Lord. And think about what Jesus said to Peter when Peter had forsaken his Lord. Think about what Jesus gave to Peter when Peter was trying to wipe his hands of the whole situation there uh, at that fire of even knowing the Lord and denying Him and then even cursing Him after the third time of denying His Lord. Jesus forgave. Jesus, with eyes of love and eyes of forgiveness, looked at Peter as he was taken away from that courthouse to stand judgment for something that he had not done but for the sins of you and I to go to an old rugged cross and shed his blood for our sins, for the sins of the world. So those who are hypocrites, those who are seducers, those persecutors to Christ's work and to the name of Jesus get directed at us because we serve the living God. Jesus said, forgive. I want you to notice that the apostles struggled with the same thing that we struggle with. And when we can grow spiritually in love, in love for others who hate us, in love for others who despise us, in love for others who would take our very life if they could. Now, I believe this, that our lives are in the hand of God. And I believe that no one can touch our life. No one can touch uh, our life in such a way that would bring harm to us, that would take our lives away unless God allowed it. Look at the life of Job. And the Lord Himself, as Satan stood before the Lord and pleaded to take the life of Job and to just eradicate him, God said, you can have everything but his life. You can touch him, but I've opened just that hedge a little bit that you can touch Job's life as a test to strengthen his faith and you'll find that my servant will trust me. But you can't take his life. So everything that happened in Job's life happened as a result of God allowing it to happen. The testing, the trial, the persecution, his family disappearing and being killed within a matter of moments, all of his possessions gone, his wife telling him, Job, you might as well just go ahead and curse God and die from these circumstances. His health to the very point of death. But the devil could not take his life. In all of this, Job was tried and he trusted God. God was taking that gold and purifying it through that fire. And it is by that fire that our faith is strengthened. In verse 5, the apostle said unto the Lord, the Bible says, increase our faith. Lord, this is hard. Lord, we're praying for you to increase our faith. These are hard words that you've just preached to us. Remember, Jesus has preached to them the parable of the unjust steward in verse uh, uh, in chapter 16 of Luke. Jesus has also uh, rebuked the Pharisees. Jesus has talked about divorce in chapter 16. Christ has talked about the rich man and Lazarus. And now Jesus is talking about the fact that for preaching his word, we are going to be persecuted. 
We are going to face seducers. We are going to face those who claim to know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, but they are hypocrites or they are false believers. Only trying to weaken the bonds and to sadden the hearts of God's people. If you come across somebody who says they're a Christian and they're trying to weaken the bond in the heart and sadden the life of a Christian and to turn them away from Christ or to turn them to ungodliness, get away from that person. Get as far away from you, them as you can. If they will not listen to rebuke, they are not serving the Lord Jesus Christ at that time. The Bible says that they are to be considered and counted as a brother as far as we know it. But we are to have no fellowship with them if they are living in sin habitually. And there are many folks who claim the name of Jesus but are living in habitual sin. And they are turning the hearts. They are dragging folks with them. Even believers saying, hey, I got away, away with this and it's certainly okay because God didn't judge me. I can do this and get away with it. And so it is through these trials, through the fiery trials of life that we need to pray like the apostles, Lord, increase our faith. Jesus follows with an answer. In verse 6, Jesus says, And the Lord said, If he had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Notice Jesus said, If he had faith. <laughs> They're praying for the Lord to increase their faith. Jesus said, If he had faith. Isn't that like us all the time? Maybe we need to pray, Lord, give me faith. You know, I, I, I've experienced uh, salvation and I put my trust in you for salvation, but Lord, I, I've, been, I've been in unbelief. I've been living like an unbeliever, Lord. I, I've forsaken your word. I've forsaken the promises of God. It, it's not, Lord, increase my faith, but Lord, give me faith. Jesus said, if you had faith. That's an interesting answer to their prayer. As many times we're praying, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, uh, increase the faith that we're already uh, uh, living right now so that it would grow. And Jesus said, if you had faith, to think of the grain of a mustard seed, the smallest of seeds, the smallest of seeds that God gave, but that can spring forth into a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful tree that is fruitful. If you had faith, that was so small, Jesus said, as that little grain of a mustard seed, look at what that would do. It's not increase your faith. It is, Lord, give us faith today. Because if we have that small amount, Jesus said, of full assurance in our heart, which is what it is to be living by faith in the Christian life. If we had just that small amount of faith, we could say, Jesus said to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey. Why? Because of their, because of their power, because of their prestige, because of their position as apostles? Absolutely not. It was because they had faith in God and God can do the impossible, folks. We're living in a day right now where folks don't believe that, that God can do the impossible, let alone that God exists. There are people who are opposing God, opposing His Word, opposing His people, and they think that they're seemingly getting away with it, but we serve the living God who can do what is seemingly impossible, but is not impossible unto Him. The prayer of the apostles is, Lord, increase our faith. It should be, yes, our prayer, but Lord, give me the faith of the grain of a mustard seed. Lord, 
forgive my unbelief. I think that's what Jesus is trying to teach here with, uh, with rebuking them by his words instead of you have no faith, which Jesus did say at times to them. But Jesus said, if he had faith, it's just this little grain of a mustard seed. You could say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up and God would remove it. God would remove it by his power, folks. Do you know that the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six is the text there. And we've been talking about on Wednesday night. Some of this is it's not identical to what we've been talking about, but it has helped and encouraged us to go through a series of studies on experiencing God in our Christian life is to have that that intimate walk with God. That deeper intimate walk with God is necessary. Folks, I've not arrived where I need to be in my Christian life. I struggle with things. I struggle with this flesh. I struggle with this old man just like you do daily. I struggle at work with things. I struggle sometimes with people at work and go, oh Lord, help me. Help me, God. I don't know how to deal with this. And you struggle with those things and those pressures in life and those trials. But let me say this, that God has placed them in our life to strengthen and to stretch our faith, not to destroy it. I use the illustration of Wednesday night that I don't know if you remember, but my brother and I, we we asked our mom and dad when those stretch dolls and those uh uh, <clears throat> I forget what they were called, but those stretch dolls had just come out. Stretch Armstrong. They had to remind me Wednesday night. I'm losing my mind. I'm only 46 years old. Stretch Armstrong came out. And this doll was expensive. And we went to mom and dad and said, Mom, we want one of these. We want it for our birthday. We want it for Christmas. Every time we turned around, saw it in the store. Mom, this is what we want. We want this thing. And see it on TV, how that they would pull the arms and the legs of this thing almost across the room. That's awesome. We want this thing. And so finally, my mom broke down. We didn't have much money, but mom broke down and got my brother and I one of them. Big mistake. We should have got two of them. Because we pulled that thing as far as we could across the room. And, and yeah, it worked and it, it come right back together. And But one time we pulled that thing and it broke. My brother had an arm and I had a leg or something. We pulled it all the way across the living room or something. And that thing broke. And we were so sad that that thing broke. We didn't cry. But like, really, this is Stretch Armstrong. You can't break him. But do you know in the Christian life, folks, that God would never stretch us beyond what he's going to teach us and what he's going to grow us in if we allow him to in our faith, that we may feel, oh, Lord, you're stretching me across the room. Lord, you're stretching me across this place and I just can't do it anymore. That's the place God wants to bring us to. That is the exact place that God brought Job to. That is the exact place that God brought the apostles to is that we can't do it, folks. We've got to rely on the power of God and the might of God and the strength of God and say, oh God, I need you. Oh God, I need your help today. Oh Lord, I need your grace today. Oh Lord, I need your mercy today. Oh Lord, Lord, I need your love to be shown to others today. Lord, I need your forgiveness to be able to forgive these people because they hate you and therefore they hate me. Lord, I need your help to forgive this person at work. And sometimes it's a person who calls themselves a Christian that's the hardest person to get along with in the workplace is that the devil uses that. It's, it's, I, don't, I don't struggle a lot with 
and I found this true in, a, in an atheistic society and an agnostic society, is that I got along, not I agreed with, but I got along in my witnessing efforts with the atheist better and the agnostic better than I did with believers who said they loved God, who said they knew Christ, and yet they were living like the devil. And they gave the most difficulty because they were making waves to what we were preaching, what we were proclaiming, and others were following their lifestyle because they said, oh, they're a Christian, and they seem to, to be able to do this and get away with it, and we're Christian too, so we're going to go ahead and do that. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what Jesus said. I'm going to live however I want to. But it's hard to love those people. Lord, help me to forgive uh, this one who says they're a brother. In Christ, Lord, this one who says that they're a believer in Jesus Christ. Lord, this lady, uh, Lord, this family member, Lord, this son or this daughter who say that they know you. Lord, help me to love, to forgive and increase my faith through this trial. God will never break us like that stretch Armstrong broke. He had a lot of stretches, a lot of stretches because my brother pulls neck, pulls legs, pulls arms all across the room. I, and, uh, and, you know, he lasted a long time, but God will never break a Christian. God wants us to humbly submit to him and say, I'm stretching you for a reason because you're going to come out trusting me more, not trusting your arm of strength, not trusting your power, not trusting your ability, not trusting your intellect. See, a lot of times we like to rely on that. I know the Bible. Well, yes, we know about this much of the Bible, folks. I remember a preacher who had been preaching... I can't remember the evangelist's name, but he came by our church. He'd been preaching the Bible for 45 years. And you know what he stood up and said? And that man was like a walking encyclopedia you know, when it came to the history and the knowledge and the, the Word of God and the background material and the illustrations that, that God had given him through life experiences and through his faith. And you know what he said? He said, brothers and sisters in Christ, he said, I have barely scratched the surface of this book. In 45 years, every day, the Lord showed me something new. Every day, there's promises that, that God shows me in his word. There are truths that the Lord opens my heart to. This book is so rich. This book is so deep. And I barely scratched the surface of it. That's a humble servant right there. 45 years of preaching God's word and studying God's word. And he says, I know about this much of it. One day when I get to heaven, I'm going to know it. <laughs> But he says, I know about this much of it. Just scratch the surface. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, these words, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. Because they knew it was only by trusting God by trusting God's power, by trusting God's promises, by trusting God's love that should be shown to others because God is love and the only love that we know outside of God's love is a worldly, sensual, devilish love. It is only God's love that can say, I love you in spite of what you have done and who you are. I love you even though you hate me, God says. I love you though you don't love me back. Now, that's not God sweeping sin under the rug. That's God in his character, in his perfection, in his nature. God is love. Yes, he is still a God of judgment, a God of righteousness, a God who is holy, 
all the time. But God loves people even though they hate Him. And we need to love as well. We need to forgive people even when they don't forgive. We need to forgive even when people hate us back. Even though we've loved them. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. As the text says here, that faith is the key to unlocking the promises of God for God to do what is seemingly the impossible. God defies the very laws of nature that he has put into place. That is a miracle, by the way. And it is a miracle for someone to come to Christ. You're a living miracle if you're sitting here today and you know Jesus Christ. Raise your hand. You're a miracle if you know Christ today. Lord, save me. I'm a, I'm a living miracle. God has wonderfully saved me today. And because of His grace, it's not because of what I've done, but the Lord has wonderfully saved me, a sinner who is in need of Jesus Christ, who just called upon Jesus to be saved. That's a miracle. That defies the very laws that science could even explain. Because it is God taking someone from the kingdom of darkness from Satan's kingdom and placing them into his family, making them a child of his own, giving them a home in heaven and eternity forever with him, redeeming them by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's only something God can do, by the way. Man can't do that. And so faith in God is the key that unlocks the door to not only pleasing God, but to seeing the possibility of what God is doing in and through our lives each and every day. Think about this. Everybody has faith in something. And I'll probably maybe need to continue this next week because I, I, I like to give you the context of a message with the application of it before we just go straight into it. I think that sometimes can bring confusion. I love to preach topical messages. But the context is important. And so faith in Christ is important because if we can't love and forgive people, God says, guess what? You can't please me. You can't have faith in me because you're going to struggle and I'm going to struggle with get, getting caught up in the sin of this world of the devil saying, you just remember what so-and-so did to you. We get caught up in all the gossip and, and, and all the backbiting that the world's caught up in. And many times the church is involved in God help them. And we get diverted from what we need to be doing is trusting the promises of God by faith for God to do what he wants to do. Corey Tin Boone said this faith is like radar that sees through the fog, the reality of things at a distance that the human eye cannot see. Faith is that key. A lot of folks have faith in things and they may say oh i'm not a believer i don't have a religion or you know i'm new age or this and that or uh i've got my own faith and and that's always interesting because when folks say they have their own faith you really know that they they they've just given a cop out to try and give a cop out to god as to why they don't believe in jesus christ and have accepted him as personal savior i've got my own faith (laughs) where's that at in the bible the disciples said lord lord increase our faith They prayed to the Lord, Lord, give us faith. We need to pray to the Lord, Lord, give me faith in your promises and the hope that you have given to us in your word. Corey Ten Boone knew what it was like to trust God. Folks go out in their car and every every day, possibly many times throughout the day. 
They put that little key in the ignition. And they just believe that when they turn the key, that car is going to come on. Well, that's faith. Not faith in Christ, but that's faith. And when it doesn't work, guess what? Folks get really upset. <laughs> when, when that key going in the ignition and that little turn, or if you hit a button, maybe you got one of the new cars and, and you just have a, a button that you can push or whatever that uh, starts your car. When that doesn't work, it means trouble. People sit down in a chair all the time, never even thought about, is this chair going to hold me up? Maybe. Uh, sometimes you think about that if it only had three legs or if it had two legs, uh, there are three legged stools, but uh, if a four-legged chair only had two or three legs and you sat down in it, you might think about it before you sat down in it. But if that chair at your table has been stable every time and you sat down and you didn't even think about it, whether it was going to hold you up. Faith in an object, in an inanimate object. Faith in a car. Well, faith in the promises of God is putting the key in the ignition and saying, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust your word. And Lord, I believe that what your word says is true. And I'm going to walk on that promise. And guess what? God's engine never ceases to run when we put our faith in his promises in the Bible in that fashion. God has the power. All power is given unto him. He is the omnipotent God, which means he's all powerful. He is the almighty. He is the all knowing omniscience. He knows everything, folks. There is no one on this earth that could have enough degrees that can measure up uh, to what God uh, has in his understanding, his knowledge, his wisdom and his power. He is the all knowing God and he is also the everywhere present God, the Bible says. He's everywhere present at all times. Not even Satan himself can say that. Satan has to run to and fro up and down the earth. Satan has his cohorts or devils, those fallen angels who walk with him and who are in other places. But Satan is not everywhere present at all times. Only God is everywhere present at all times. And it is the prayer of faith from the child of God that pleases God and believes in God's promises. And when they believe in God's promises and that He is God, there is a reward for those who diligently seek Him. I close with this. My granddad was a gunner in World War II. And you can only imagine that in the multiple, multiple flights that they made in World War II, the, the first people that usually got shot and killed were the gunners on those planes. Flying out of Italy, making all of those trips, and coming back every time by the grace of God, by the way, because it was fate to step into that plane for every mission, for every flight. Coming back and those who didn't return. Those planes who were totally shot down and lost. And the whole crew lost. My granddad sitting in that gunner position. It was just like a big target to be shot at. Can you imagine? And we've seen these planes in museums and they're, they're fascinating how, how these folks ever flew these missions and, and battle. And, and yet every one of them, God brought their crew back safely, even with a wound that he did get shot at one time and, and receiving a purple heart. And you'd never know it from my granddad because he never talked about the war and you couldn't get him to talk about those things. But he was a hero. 
And they believed that just by serving God and serving their country, getting on that plane by faith, that it was worth it to fight for our freedoms. Can I tell you this, Christian friend today, that it is worth it to go out in this world by faith and serve a living God. Because we enter into the battlefield when we leave this place. And here, God's given us a special place of protection. And I pray that that would always be the case. But when we step outside that door, folks, there is a battle that is waiting for us. And by faith, we must enter that battle, trusting the promises of God. And our God will do great and mighty things above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. Trusting God with the seemingly impossible. The bench outside that was brought from the other building was put there in the memory of a lady who used to come to the church. With God, all things are possible. Think about that. With God, all things are possible. There's nothing that limits God. When we pray in faith, asking God to do His will and have His will done, God will save the lost. God will do far and above and beyond in our personal lives what we could ever ask or think by helping us to love, by helping us to forgive others, by helping us that through that love and forgiveness, we would point souls to Jesus Christ. You know, folks see that at work. It's so easy to become bitter. Boy, there's so much bitterness. So easy to get involved in the herd mentality and and to start to, instead of loving and forgiving folks, instead of showing that love and forgiveness, to hate. The world is full of hate. But Christians should not be. Christians should be full of the love of Jesus and exemplifying the love of Christ. And I believe that if this world saw more love, not excusing their sin, I believe that if they saw through our life the love of Jesus Christ being shown through uh, the eyes of Jesus Christ and His ministry to others, by forgiving them that they would understand that there is a great God who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for their sins, who loved them and wants to forgive them. That would point them to Jesus. Trusting God with the seemingly impossible. By faith, it's possible to please God. For we must come to God and believing that He is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, Hebrews eleven six says. But the key is by faith. Walk on the promises of God this week. Not the philosophies of men. Not what the media is saying. Boy, you can't trust that for certain. You don't know what truth is in the media. You can't even trust, by the way, I'll just be honest with you, is... I, I do watch and read certain news stations. I try to watch less of it, but read more of it to sort out what the truth is sometimes. But you can't trust Fox News, to be honest with you, a lot of times, folks. There is no source of truth when it comes to the media because they will lie. Uh, they will uh, divert you from the truth. Is that The Word of God is our source of truth because it is God's preserved Word for us in English. The Word of God. Thank God we don't have to read Hebrew and Greek, as I talked about this morning. Boy, Hebrew, I can't even read English from left to right, let alone Hebrew from right to left, and all the letters look the same. And I was taking a little bit of Hebrew, and boy, it's confusing. My teacher just rattling off in Hebrew. I'm like, what? What did you just say? <laughs> and uh, he, he'd spent many years in living in uh, the Middle East and everything, was, was very fluent 
and a lot of the language. It was hard. But thank God we got it in English right here. Lord, increase our faith. I can understand that. Lord, give me the faith as a grain of a mustard seed. That in your perfect will, when it's time to remove this tree, when it's time to remove this mountain, God, you'll cast it into the sea. You'll move it to the side. And God will. Many times we want the situation to be removed. We want the circumstance to go away. And I think the fitting quote in our bulletin this week was wonderful, is that faith doesn't always take us out of the problem. Faith doesn't always take us out of the circumstance. It takes us through the problem because God is there with us when we're trusting Him in His hand. Faith doesn't always take away the pain. It gives us the ability to handle the pain. Faith doesn't always take us out of the storm, but it will, however, calm us in the midst of the storm. To trust Jesus no matter what, no matter what's going on, no matter who's against us, remember our God is for us. Our God is for us. Who can stand against us, God said? Our Lord And so there are going to be haters of Christ. There are going to be haters of truth. There are going to be haters of righteousness in this world. But our God is mighty. Our God is still on the throne. And our God says, trust me, child. And I'll lead you in the path that you should take. Sometimes it's hard in the midst of the storm to discern which way to go. But when we come to that crossroads, when we come to that crisis, of a time to make a decision. We come to that place. Trust God in His Word to lead you, and He will. Father, we thank You for this day. Thank You for the truth of Your Word. Thank You, Lord, that faith in You, that hope in You, is the key to unlock the door to the promises of God being fulfilled in our life in a very real way, in a powerful way, and that there is nothing that is impossible with You. Lord, Your will, Your purposes. Your plan have been laid out for our life. Help us to trust You. Help us to trust You as individual believers. Help us to trust You as a church. That in 2021, You would grow us spiritually in faith. Not faith in ourselves. Not faith in our abilities. Not faith in, Lord, our own power. For that is fleeting. But faith in You. Faith in a all-powerful God. Faith in the Almighty. Faith in the living God, which the world does not know. Help us to point souls to Jesus Christ because we love others. Lord, we are forgiving others as You have forgiven us a great debt. And as Lord, we are growing in faith in You, in full assurance in our heart. In Your Word, it is true. Help us to apply these things and put them into practice this week, this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our hymnals as we turn to our closing.